Today's episode of 1% Better is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Colts tickets are cheaper three weeks before the game or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're going to sit, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. So download the GameTime app in the App Store or Google Play and work that clock to your advantage and score some last-minute tickets. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. Another episode of 1% Better, your Colts podcast from The Athletic, exclusively from your Colts contributors there, uh, Zach and I. Uh, this is our uh, free podcast for, for all uh, intents and purposes. We do two per week. Indeed. This one is not behind the paywall. Our second podcast of the week is. So this is something that will kind of give you a sense of what you'll get if you uh, subscribe. We we do those uh, exclusive ones for our subscribers. So anyhow, with this being the Colts bye week, Zach, we decided to take a little different approach here, right? We we figured there's no game to kind of debrief uh, from mon- from Sunday, excuse me, like we would normally do on a, right. on a Monday. So what we did was we solicited questions from you, the readers, and I think this will work out pretty interesting. I think we've got some pretty in-depth questions Uh some pretty thought-provoking stuff, and, and it tells me people, people are paying attention. So let's just dive right into this, and we'll kind of hit some of these and, and break them down, and the topics run the gamut. So let's see what people are thinking. So let's do it. All right, so here is one, Zach, from uh, this is uh, from Matt Kecklick on Twitter. He says, considering the recent success of the running game, do you think it would be detrimental to not use Jordan Wilkins more uh, to break up Marlon Mack's carry count. With Wilkins being so effective, it seems like Mack, running Mack into the ground doesn't seem smart for the long term. Very good question. I think that is one of the concerns, right, with this run-heavy approach. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And, and Marlon's really injuries, right? Let's be honest. So, well, I, I have yeah. some thoughts, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with this because here's why. I think that injury history sort of is in the back of everyone's mind, not just ours, but the fans as well. I mean, Marlon battled through stuff his entire rookie season. I think he played with like a, a busted shoulder. And then he had the hamstring last year that was like five or six weeks. It wasn't just like a one or two week thing. Um, and that's the risk you have when you play these guys. I mean, they are running Mac wild right now. And mm. he's doing a tremendous job. And he's tougher than a lot of people out there think. Believe it because he is playing hard and he has played hurt in the past. I like more of Jordan Wilkins. I don't know about you. I like the change of pace. He continues to impress me. And I think that, you know, when you look at Naheem Hines, it's hard for me to even call him a running back because they use him so much in that scat back, short pass, sort of screen pass role. Um, I like getting Jordan Wilkins more involved. He's proven he can hit the home run. He can make the big play, which lessens the load on Marlon Mack. Um, but I don't think this becomes sort of like a two-back 50-50 split because there's no doubt who the best running back on this team is. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I agree on all counts. Now, Marlon Mack, to give you some context, Marlon Mack had 29 carries against Kansas City. Now, that's great in terms of the Colts' uh, 
asserting themselves and and playing the way they want to play all of that for all those reasons that's great uh for marlon max uh soreness and, and for his longevity right probably not great so it, it's it's a conundrum a, a little bit i think because you know the colts went through this a little bit with frank gore there were some games over the last couple of years with frank gore where you know his carry count was really high but but frank gore is a different guy in terms of durability okay he's not human <laughs> so yeah I don't, and he was 10 12 years into his career and marlin's in his third year well right and he had 10 to 12 years of proven durability and with marlon right. mack he doesn't have that we can't say that with marlon mack and and again like i said frank gore is the exception to the rule i mean this just is not typical today um especially we look at running backs over the years the ones who have who have, a lot of the running backs who who had heavy carry counts over the years it does affect your your career time uh, lifespan it, it often does and you know maybe they don't build running backs like they used to but all i know is that running backs have the shortest lifespan of any position out there it's a fact and uh, i think you do have to be judicious especially the way the colts are sort of building their entire offense upon this approach this running game approach but as you said right the conundrum there is there is a distinct difference between Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins. It's not a slight to Jordan Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins is a fine player, but I think Jordan Wilkins is better in small doses because for every right. big run he gives you, right. he gives you sort of a, a a shorter run or maybe a no gain run here and there, which is okay. It happens, but I think with Marlon Mack, the the consistency is just different. It's just a different level of yeah, consistency. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a pro bowler right now. He's yeah, that's, that's how good Marlon Mack's playing right now. So yeah. I understand both sides of the argument. But um, Jordan Wilkins is no slouch, and he can play as well. And I think that's something you want to bear in mind as you want Jordan Wilkins to be doing stuff now so Marlon Mack can be healthy in November and December and possibly January. Yeah. So, uh, uh, all right, Freddie Lopez. Uh, Freddie wants to know... I don't buy this one, Freddie, but all right, let's throw it out there. <laughs> so something that might only happen in a video game, but I'll ask anyway. So he acknowledges this one's out there. Uh, <laughs> if the pass rush regresses in the next couple of weeks, what would you think of Chris Ballard going after a veteran guy like Von Miller or someone else for draft picks? I know Ballard loves his is picks, Von, though. Is, <laughs> he does. Is Von Miller on, on the trade well, block suddenly? Well, first of all, How I, are you going to get a hold of Von Miller? I think he, I think he means someone he says Von Miller or someone else. Okay, I'm going to go out on the limb and say they ain't getting Von Miller. <laughs> that being no, said, they ain't. let's talk generally about pass rushers in general. I don't know who's available, right. but you can always make calls. I mean, there's nothing to stop you from doing that. I mean, the NFL trade deadline is, is vastly overhyped. There's very mm-hmm. rarely a move. Only teams in dire straits. You might see the Dolphins make a move or the Steelers make a move or the Broncos make a move, but... Um, they're not parting with Von Miller. He's literally one of the best five players in the NFL. Um, I think the Colts are going to have to find a way to manufacture more pass rush. I absolutely agree with that, Freddie. The loss of Kamoko Ture is bigger than it seems because he has quietly been rushing the passer very well. And he's got a lot of bursts he didn't have last year. 
And I don't know if we can count on Justin Houston to have the monster game that he had against Kansas City every week. That was a one-off right now compared with the first four games of the season. That needs to be better. Ben Banerjee is going to step in. They need to get more interior pass rush as well. But one guy will help with this that no one's talking about is Darius Leonard, who's back this week after three weeks off with a concussion. Darius can sack the quarterback. He's got the speed. He can finish. He can read the plays late and get in there, which he did in Tennessee. Um, that will help as well. But there's no doubt that's a concern moving forward. So I'll start with something interesting. Here's a fun fact, and this is not a slide on Von Miller, but here's a fun fact. Uh, he had half a sack yesterday against Tennessee. Other than that, he has not sacked the quarterback at all this season except the two sacks he had uh, against Jacksonville in week four. So that's interesting. Now, I think that probably speaks more to what's going on in Denver than it does to Von Miller's ability. A little ability. bit, probably. But it's interesting. Um, he's also, by the way, 30 years old. So that's also notable here. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Von Miller does become available at some point in, in you know going forward. But I don't know that that time is now. But anyhow, let's talk generally uh, about whether the pass rush is good enough or whether they need to look elsewhere. Uh, I don't th- – first of all, principally, just on principle, I don't think that Chris Ballard is looking to make a move there. I think he, I think he feels like they have what they need in the building or at least – they have a good starting point for what they need in the building. I think the, the question is going to be, can they develop these guys? Uh, can they figure out the right combinations? They've also just spent, they're spending $12 million this year on Justin Houston. So he's their Von Miller, right? For That's what they got, right? So that's that's the question. Can, can Justin Houston give them what he gave them last week in Kansas City? Because if he does, that's a game changer. But right. again... He's not playing his quote unquote former girlfriend every week. Those are his words. Right. You know, so you talked about, you know, wanting to show off when you when you see your ex girlfriend and you got your new girlfriend. So he's playing his former team in the Chiefs and he went out there and and acted like uh you know, like he had something to prove. And and that's great because it was effective, but he's gotta bring that every week. So if he can though, I, and I think he's capable, if he can do that then that, that's a game changer. He also won't have a backup left tackle to play every week. So that's let's be clear that that's also part of the, right. the equation. But, yeah, but you know the Texans look to be down on right tackle this week. Yeah. So you know maybe someone on the other side can 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 pick up the slack. Big injury yesterday. Yeah, their first round pick Titus. Uh, what is his last name? Uh, Titus, Titus Howard. Howard. Yes, excuse me. Going down. I, I believe he was their starter at. Was it right tackle? Yes. Yeah, so that's a that's a big loss for they've them. They've got Tunsil on the left side, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They've been protecting uh they've been protecting the quarterback better in recent weeks. I'll give them that. But they've got to continue to do that now and now overcome this. So we'll get to some of the Texans, of course, later this week. Huge game this weekend coming up for the Colts. But anyhow, with the pass rush, I agree with you, Zach. Kamoko Ture, huge loss. And I, I don't think we emphasize that enough. Because we got caught up talking about the Kansas City win. That injury is going to be major. Even though he was playing limited snaps, he was playing the snaps that mattered. So The money snaps, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just hard to find that talent, those guys. It's just hard to find them. Yeah, so so we'll see. We'll see. So let's move on. We've got, uh, we've got some other questions here. This one's interesting. It's kind of off the field, an off the field subject. But uh, So Andrew Merchant asked on Twitter... Uh, who do you think will be well sorry that's not the off the field question I'll get to that in a second this one is on on the field who do you think will be the first rookie 
to supplant a veteran and win a starting role on defense? I think there's a couple of candidates, and I don't know that it's hmm. going to happen, but but it's an interesting question, and I, I think that I have thoughts. Do you have thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think we're probably going in the same direction. There's a couple names that popped to my mind immediately, one being Rocky Sin, who's started in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider Rock a starting corner right now. Um, it just depends on whether you want to, you know, sub-package, nickel, base, whatever. Uh, the other guy's Kari Willis, and that might be who I lean with because he's been fantastic at safety. Really, really good for a rookie. And I think you could speak to this as well, Stephen. Talking to Kari Willis is like talking to a fifth-year guy. Mm-hmm. You forget that he's a rookie. He's very mature. It sounds like he's been in this league four years already, and his play is starting to um, is starting to prove that. I mean, he had that stick in the hole the other night that was textbook. Um, they really like this guy in the building. The teammates really respect him. Um, that's my pick, 37. I think he's been fantastic, and I think he's your starting safety. If not at some point this year, I think moving forward, he's the guy next to Malik Hooker. I think he's becoming my favorite draft pick in this class. And I didn't think I'd say that just with what I saw from Rocky Sin in training camp, right? If you'd have asked me this in yeah, August. Or even Paris Campbell, or right? Or Paris Campbell, right? If you'd have asked me this in, in August, I would have had a very different answer. But I, I got to tell you, Kari Willis is playing at a different level right now. And you talk about him, yeah. him sort of uh, having that aura of a veteran. Well, he has it on the field, too. I mean, <laughs> the guy diagnoses plays great. He, he wastes no motion. Uh, he plays fast. Those are all the things that you expect from a veteran. Uh, he's not paralyzed by the speed of this game and, and the speed at which things happen in terms of uh, the action and the decision-making and all of those things. He is not paralyzed by that at all. And I think that is really interesting and, and I think a great indicator of, of, a guy, of a guy who can be successful. You know, Kari told me a few weeks ago that uh, – playing at Michigan State really prepared him for this. And and one of the things they do is they have a lot of complexity in his in their defense, number one. And number two, his role was very complex. So he was asked to do all kinds of things. He, he's done it all. He's played both safety spots. He's played slot. He's done basically almost played a linebacker role sort of as well at Michigan State. So, so now yeah. here he is in Indianapolis, and he's kind of doing all of those things on some level. And they're not afraid to ask him to do it because he has done it and he's demonstrated that he can. Uh, and, and it really hasn't impaired his growth, which I think is such a, a great sign. So uh, this kid here. And is remember, they, they traded up 20 spots mm-hmm. to get this guy. That's not an accident. They really wanted this guy and it's making them look pretty smart right about now. Yeah. Uh, just one quick note on on Rocky Sin. I, I think. I'm like you. I think if you're the third corner in today's NFL, you are essentially a starter. You're going to play 60% plus in terms of snaps. Right. So, I mean, that's essentially a starter. I mean, there are starters on defense who play fewer snaps than that. So, I I think that's kind of a starter. And and so, if you're the third corner, and he is very clearly the third corner – uh, sometimes playing even more snaps than that, then, you know, you're a starter in my book. So he's he's earned that already. The other guy we could throw into the mix here, I don't think it's going to happen, but but somebody worth watching is Bobby Okiriki. Uh, yeah. So with Darius Leonard coming back, he goes back to weak side linebacker, meaning now 
Anthony Walker is no longer out of position, can go back to middle linebacker where I think he's better suited. The question, though, is do you put Okiriki back on the bench or will you still continue to try to find ways to give him snaps because now he's getting sort of pushed aside? Um, it'll be interesting to see, but but I do think Okiriki will get will continue to get some playing time, at least in situations. And and also don't forget uh, EJ Speed, who looks like yeah. he might be yeah. the strong side linebacker when and if they use one. So and they and they they will get Okiriki snaps, but I really like Walker there mm-hmm. at that middle linebacker spot. I just think he's I think he's just much more prepared for that role than Okariki. Um, I don't necessarily dislike Okariki's potential down the line, but this team was not the same, not just because Leonard was not out there, but because Walker was playing out of position. And I think with those two back doing what they do, doing what they did last season so well, this defense will have a different pop to it next week. Yeah, and those two, by the way, it really developed uh, a chemistry, I think, which is important. You know, a lot like you see with wide receivers and and quarterbacks. I think it's important that your two guys in the middle of your defense are on the same page and have a, a, a communication rapport between them and so Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard really really have something in that regard and I think that helped them quite a bit last year where I think Anthony Walker is the brains on is behind the defense really and and certainly Darius Leonard is the playmaker so that combination I love and and I think that should remain the case for at least the time being so we'll see but lots of talent uh, in this rookie class on defense, there's no question about it. We we really yeah. I mean, they we went, thought they, I think would they be went good. seven of the first eight picks on defense. Yeah, if you're gonna go double down like that and just go for broke, you you got to be right. And and I know on the other hand, the argument can be like, okay, cast a wide net right and and get yourself as many opportunities as possible. But if you do that and then you hit on those picks, then you're even then you're really in business. And, and I just think right. this class has a chance to be really, really good. If, if nothing else, we'll see how this year goes. But if you're not excited about the future, then you're not paying attention. So uh, rolling along, let's I, I mentioned an off the field question. And I, I think this is interesting. This is someone who's paying attention. So Chris uh, Romanu on Twitter says or ask, have you guys ever seen a team with so much unity between the offense and defense seems particularly different on the Colts during the Reich years. Do you think there's an hmm. on-field benefit? Uh, this is not a. This is not a. Um, this is an informed observation. I think. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think there's. I think they're onto something here because think about it. Like, you think about who are the guys that are closest on the team. I think two guys that jump to my mind are Jacoby Brissett and Anthony Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, completely different sides of the ball. Really, really close friends. They hang out all the time at Jacoby's house. That's not always the case in NFL locker rooms. I think last year, and I think this is something we'll talk about down the line, the one and five start really brought these guys together because they could have folded and they could have started looking for themselves. And a lot of guys told me that, like Al Woods, who was great to talk to in the locker room, a veteran NFL guy, was like, look, I've been on teams where we start bad and we just start looking for each for ourselves we just try to get our numbers and get the heck out of town at the end of the season they came together there was that players only meeting and um the offensive line really sort of took over and and these guys love it i mean you watch darius leonard on the sideline marveling at what jacoby Brissett's doing you watch you know the defense cheering on the offense it's it really has stood out to me in all my years covering this team as a group that's really close offense defense everyone 
Yeah, I think there's something to be said for it. Uh, I, I don't know what the on-field benefit is <laughs> other than to say uh, they're a team that trusts each other, and I think that matters. Uh, I think sometimes when one side of the ball doesn't pull its weight on a given Sunday, that can uh, create bitterness at times. I've seen that happen, and, and it, maybe they don't say it publicly, but I think in the locker room sometimes that festers sort of uh, resentment, right? You know, when, all right, you got a defense that maybe is – is doing its part and the offense can't get it done or vice versa. Like, guys don't react well to that, right, in most cases. But right. but I do think there is a unity here, and and it's there's a couple of factors. It's, it is Frank Reich in, in, part, yeah. in large part because I think he, he, he actually sort of uh, – this is what he asks of his guys. You know, take care of each other and, you know – you guys rule the locker room, right? He doesn't insert himself into that. He trusts his guys right. and his leaders. The other thing is having good leadership is part of that. And and how do you yeah. get good leaders is you you get the right players on your roster. And and that is something we know they spend a lot of time on, as does every NFL team. But they place a premium on the character. And maybe that hurts you in terms of talent sometimes, Okay. Uh, there are players that are very talented who they are never going to draft. They're just not. Yeah, that's just how it is. Right. But uh, they place a premium on the character, not because they they want a bunch of you know choir boys, but because they think it matters and they think it it helps you in your team building efforts. I, I think they have been proven right so far. I mean, you can't argue think- that. This is going to be really, really interesting to measure over the next couple of years when you see, for lack of a better term, the Brian Decker effect play out. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about guys not in their first or second years, but three, four, five, six, whether they get second contracts. Those guys, those draft picks that Brian Decker was heavily involved in, the sort of it's hard to describe his job, right? He's sort of a player evaluation guy that does everything except for football. So the off the field personality, character driven, um, all those things he measures in a million different charts. And he's, he's very scientific with it, but a, a job, um, by the way, he did for the U S army and picking green berets. So if you can pick green berets correct. and find people who have correct. the makeup to do that job, then I, I, I get it. I, I think this could be very successful, but go ahead. I, I agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah. And I just think this is not something you're going to see right away, but I think over time, the Colts believe, you know, let's, let's pick 20 guys, you know, 20 draft picks over two years. They think, you know, this might help them move from 15 hits to 17 hits. And that's a huge difference. Yeah. Let's say you hit on one pass rusher that could help you for five or six years. So, you know, that's a small sample size, but that's going to be something to, to watch over time and see how it plays out because look at the last two draft classes i mean they've had hit after hit after hit i mean the ones that brian decker has been involved with and the ones chris ballard has had his entire staff with right the first draft he was here was a little bit of leftover guys from ryan grickson's era now he's got ed dodds in place who's one of the best in football at just pure evaluation i mean look at the guys they drafted you hit on quentin nelson you hit on darius leonard you hit on braden smith I can go on and on. You know, Marlon Mack in the first draft. Quincy Wilson's made some plays of late. 
I mean, this past year, you've got Okariki, you've got Rocky Sin, you've got Kari Willis. Paris Campbell is going to be a player one of these days, too. Um, yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how these young guys play out because it seems at this point like they just keep hitting on these guys, and that's how you build a team. Yeah, and and the last point I'll make here, I know we got off the subject of the original question, but it, it's relevant. And we talked about you know building those relationships. I think, they, as I said, they come from the types of players you acquire. And I, I really do think that if you look at the rookie classes of the last couple of years, the one thing that I am really struck by is, A, yes, they're very talented, but but I'm, I think almost to a man, with a couple of exceptions, these guys are grown men, okay, and they are not, they're not here to screw around. They are here to play, and they're not about BS, and they're serious football players. They are character men. And, I mean, I'll get Rocky Yassin, go back to the Colts uh, documentary video over the summer uh, that sort of... Uh, chronicled their their pre-draft process and and the the episode that showed them in the draft room that night getting ready mm-hmm. to pick Rocky Sin. What does Chris Ballard do? He looks over to he looks over to Brian Decker and he says, "All right, he's he's a he's a blue guy on your chart, right?" And he's talking about the character chart and and he's talking about basically Decker's uh, assessment of that guy. And he wanted to make sure he's like, "This is this guy's got your sign your seal of approval, right?" He's got the highest mark on your board, right? And he said yes. And that was one of the final questions before they pulled the trigger on Rocky Asin. Was like whether he had that very telling that assessment on on Rocky. That Asin. shows you how much he trusts Brian Decker yeah. as well. And they value that opinion, and I think they value those qualities. So, and besides all that, the kid's talented. So, uh, yeah, definitely very yeah. very interesting and telling. I think so. Uh, moving along, let's see. We've got a question here. Uh, this is interesting, I think, in a thought-provoking one. We've got a question here from C. Daly on Twitter. He says, uh, what is the biggest area you think the Colts can exploit the Texans on Sunday? Uh, I actually Offensive have a- line. Okay, go ahead. I have, I have another <laughs> topic. Go ahead. So you said offensive line. No, I think um, I think you got to get after Watson. I think they they've been drafting for years. If you pay attention, Chris Ballard always talks about the speed he wants on defense. It's for guys like this. It's for guys like Mahomes, who they saw last week. And it's for guys like Deshaun Watson, who they'll see on Sunday and twice a year, if not more, for a long time. They need to get after the quarterback. They need to get after him from the end, from the interior, and from the linebacking level. That includes Darius Leonard. That's how you stop them. That's how they stopped him twice last year, both in December and January. That's how you beat the Texans because they've got exceptional skill players, especially Hopkins, who's who's just as good as any receiver right now in the league. He's terrific. Um, I think that's how you make Watson uncomfortable, and that's how you beat the Texans. Yeah, it's interesting. I think in the last two meetings last year, if I'm not mistaken, in the regular season matchup at Houston and the playoff game, in Houston, the Colts blitzed him a fair number of times uh, by their standard. So I'm interested to see how that goes. So I have a different answer. Yeah. I agree with your answer, but I have another uh, factor, I think, which is I want to know, can the Texans stop the run? Because I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think they should be good against stopping the run because their front seven has good personnel. But they certainly didn't do it last year against the Colts. And here's the thing. The Kansas City Chiefs in that game yesterday – a woeful performance, first of all. But in that game, the Chiefs had 10 carries from their running backs. That tells me nothing about the Texans' yeah. ability to stop the run. And by the way, the Chiefs are fundamentally flawed. That team has issues. You cannot run the ball 10 times, even in today's NFL, and expect to have success. You cannot do that. The, the Texans... 
had 472 yards and 35 first downs yesterday. I mean, it's it's Madden stuff. It, it's video game stuff, man. I mean, that defense is atrocious. They are they are so fundamentally flawed. As good as they are in their passing game, the other aspects of their team are absolute horseshit. <laughs> I can't yeah. put it any other I mean, way. It's, it's, it's a huge concern because right now it's it's New England and it's everybody else in the AFC. Unless Kansas City gets its stuff together and unless another team makes a run. Um, it was I mean, that was it was like what we watched from the Colts a little bit different than a week ago, but Houston absolutely outplayed them. They had eighty three plays and possessed the ball for forty minutes. That's ridiculous. I mean, they just absolutely stole the Colts game plan in terms of keeping Mahomes off the field mm-hmm. and went in there and won. I mean, oof. they had their way with them. So I, I think we're in for a huge game on Sunday. No idea how it's going to play out, but I, I think it's definitely going to be a good one. They have played good games, right, the last several times. They've, they've played – well, you know, the Colts actually made it less interesting in that playoff game, to be honest. But but they've had some – I don't think the Colts fans didn't like that one, though. They enjoyed <laughs> they that did. one. They did. But but certainly, I, I definitely want to see – because you know the Colts are coming out running the ball. There, there's no secret to that. We know they're going to do that. Yeah, that's how they beat them. And that's, I mean, Marlon Mack had a, had a career rushing day, 148, right. which was a playoff record for the Colts in that playoff win in Houston. That's there's no secret to that. Yeah, so I think now the question, if I'm Frank right, the question is, can you stop us? And that's to be determined. So, all right, moving on, wrapping this up here a little bit, winding down. Uh, here's a here here's an interesting question, also related to to uh, the Houston game and moving forward. Do you see? This is from Greg on Twitter. Greg G Thor, I think is his handle. Anyhow, he says. Uh, do you see the Colts continuing to play more man coverage against top quarterbacks like Watson next week? On the flip side, they succeeded with zone last year against Watson in the playoffs. Curious what you guys think. So, hey, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I like this question. What do you think? Well, look, I, I think that they, first of all, what they did last week was probably a one-time thing. Not to suggest that they're never going to play man defense. I'm saying yeah. at that extent. To that extent, three-fourths of their snaps being man-to-man coverage, uh, that's not something I see. It was such a drastic change from what they've done in every game of the Matt Eberflis era. It was such a drastic change. I think it was a game plan specific to the Chiefs, and I don't know that they'll continue to do that. Now, you know, so Deshaun Watson is is a little bit different quarterback. You know, is he he as efficient against man coverage? against uh, man coverage, excuse me, against zone coverage, I should say, as as Pat Mahomes has been. Uh, the book on Pat Mahomes is don't play zone, he's going to kill you. And so yeah. people are responding to that now. Defensive coordinators aren't stupid. They watch tape. So now you're getting a different quarterback here in Deshaun Watson. He's a younger quarterback. He's certainly uh, a smart guy. but But I do think that it's not as definitive with him. I think you can play some zone uh, against – Deshaun Watson and still have success. Now they're going to have to mix it up. And the other thing about Deshaun Watson is he is he is prone to run the ball. So you you know will you spy him and and is it easier to do that playing zone or man? There's a lot of considerations here, but I, I do think you'll see more of a blend than you saw uh, last and week. I think last week gives you a lot of confidence in terms of if we need to ramp up the man and try that, we can do that. These guys are capable of playing that style of football. We know Rocky Sin can play that type of football. Yeah. But um, I, I, think I think they all can. It adds a little bit Peter of versatility well. to this defense. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, Pierre Desir has played some of his best football in the NFL against this team, the Houston Texans, and against one of their best receivers mm-hmm. in DeAndre Hopkins. So I think it's fun. I think it adds a little bit of confidence to this team's step. They might need that because they, you know, the way this defense was playing the first four weeks, it was a pretty big concern. They came out and played fantastic against Houston, excuse Kansas City, excuse me. Now they need to show that it wasn't just a um, one-time thing because they got another really good quarterback coming into Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Yeah, and and I'll just say this: there's nothing wrong with going in and and challenging DeAndre Hopkins. Some, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for that. For I mean, and not just him. I mean, they've got other receivers as well. I mean, they have a pretty deep crew there at wide receiver in Houston. So I think you're you're going to have to show them different looks because they get comfortable and they start figuring you out. You're going to have a long day, so, right. so I think the Colts are right. smarter. And to he's know that. better than he was last year too. Yeah, he's he's not bad. Uh, I think I'd want him on my <laughs> team. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll get more into the breakdown of that game uh, as the week goes along. So we'll be certainly covering it on the Athletic uh, app and website, and we'll hear what the players start to say about it. We're back in the locker room later today, so stay tuned for what comes out of that. We'll hear from Frank Reich as well. So. I think we'll learn more about what to expect from this matchup as we move along. But but I do think this you can take away for now that uh, it should be a huge game and both teams have a lot to gain here. And they're going to be ready. They're going to be amped yeah. up for this game. This is a rivalry. Yeah. It's going to be one of the better games in the NFL schedule this weekend. I really believe yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's it's actually nice too because I, I think it's becoming a, a real rivalry. In, and right now, they're the two teams to beat in the division. Uh, certainly, Tennessee is fading I don't know what is going yeah, on. Quickly, uh, they are so disappointing right now. Uh, Jacksonville, I don't have a read on, but but certainly I don't get the sense that that Jacksonville is surging. So it's the Colts and Texans for the time being, and this is the game yeah. to watch in in the AFC South right now. So we will see. Uh, so a couple quick things to note: uh, if you're not subscribing to the Athletic, please check us out we've got plenty of discounts and specials that you can take advantage of wouldn't want you to miss uh some of our upcoming coverage uh zach's got something in the works i won't spill the beans on that but i think you'll want to read that story uh i'm actually taking a look as well this week at at some of the 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 offensive style the Colts are currently playing is this sustainable long term is this something you can challenge for a championship with and i think there's a lot to sort of get into there so stay tuned for that later this week and then also bob kravitz uh as well chiming in with his commentary so lots to look forward to you get coverage of the colts you get coverage of every nfl team every nba team hockey baseball whatever your pleasure so uh i think the best deal on the internet so that's my pitch thanks for listening i'm steven holder with zach keeper Check out The Athletic, as I said, for ad-free coverage of all your favorite sports teams. And we'll be back later this week with our subscriber-only podcast. Thanks for listening to 1% Better.